Hello, I'm Heat. And I'm Rocket Kid. And this is Ordinary Chaos. A podcast about ordinary life. Because you don't have to be famous to be interesting. What's normal for me might be unusual for me. Let's do this! Heat here with Chris Pawar today. Chris is... A friend I met online. All kinds of friends you can meet online, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I thought that we could have a really interesting conversation to share today. So Chris is really digging his iPad. Chris, tell us what you love about your iPad. Well, I love my iPad because it lets me work. I don't really use it for any fun, although I could, but it's just a very versatile, quick tool to do my job. I love that I can work on two screens of two different things at the same time. No, I don't sell iPads, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I love that I work on two, I can t- work on two things. And the other thing that I like about it is that if I need to get going on it, I just hit a button and it's instantly ready to go. There is no booting up sequence or anything like that. It's just, bam, it's right there. And it's a touch screen, so I can just you know, touch it, you know, just touch the things I want and just get, go to town. Nice. I imagine portability plays into that as well. Oh yeah. You know, I pop it into my backpack so my office can be in my office or it can be at, you name any coffee shop or a friend's house or or wherever. So yes, it goes everywhere. So just for my own curiosity, because I love my iPad as well, but I hate Mm -hmm. typing on it. Mm -hmm. So I have an external keyboard. Do you use an external or do you? I sure do. Bluetooth keyboard. It gets a lot of mileage. I, this one's getting close to needing to be replaced. But yes, that's another nice thing about it is, is Bluetooth keyboard. I can almost talk about that as the iPad <laughs> itself. Um, occasionally, I'd use a, mo- a Bluetooth mouse with it, but I haven't lately. But um, love it. Nice. So getting into some meteor stuff, what would your younger self be surprised about your current self? Younger self meeting my current self boy, you gained weight. (laughs) (laughs) Your hair, where is your hair and why is it so great? It's kind of funny because my younger self, my younger self would not be as surprised to meet me now as maybe my younger self if if it met me like about three, four years ago. Interesting. Because now I'm doing sort of more of the creative work that I like to do when I was in high school and, and, and in getting into college. But yeah, if it met my, me in my previous role, it'd be like, wow, wow, you do that for a living? Yeah. Interesting. So through your previous role or your role now or just life mm-hmm. in general, what superpowers have you developed? Superpowers. Well, I don't know how super they are in the grand scheme of things. Maybe str- I'll call them strengths is, uh, I've developed the ability to come up with lots of ideas and and sort of point them towards a project. And I've developed a process for refining, like since I've, I've gotten into writing much, much more, I've got, I've developed a process for refining what I create, like what refining my writing. So I no longer judge my ideas based on what comes out of my head and based on more on 
a process of, of taking 20 ideas down to 10, down to five, down to two kind of thing. That's phenomenal. Oh, thanks. Well, because so many people judge the ideas. Yeah. When they first come out. Yeah. Right. You know, it's kind of like taking a newborn baby and saying, why, why, why are you covered with all that stuff? You're so ugly. <laughs> and you're loud. <laughs> What's wrong with you? That's a great analogy. <laughs> People talk about babies, but not usually that fresh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think of the more the cleaned up, that's like the TV shows with the cleaned up, beautiful baby just coming out of the womb. Like they never show it. The alien that actually it does look like. <laughs> <laughs> so anywhere in your path, was there feedback that you were given that, forever changed how you viewed yourself, whether for good or for bad, by a person, by an experience? It's weird because sometimes I confuse feedback and advice. I had a college professor kind of because when I had shared with him that I was looking at music schools and I had visited all these music schools, then later I had told him that I changed my mind. I was going into advertising. And I was going to go to a local university. He was relieved. And he said, yeah, you don't want, you want to be a big fish in a small pond. That was his advice. And he was teaching music and music recording and production and all of this stuff. And it was like, it was good advice. It was sort of like good advice for me to, to develop a, a retirement account in, the, in a nest egg. I don't know if it was good advice as far as long-term happiness, but that did affect me. You know, it was sort of like he, he told me, you know, you're a really good drummer and you, I know so many people like you who are like, they're really good and they're just that close to being really exceptional. And that I didn't quite know how to take other than to say that there's way more people who are skilled in the music industry than there are actually homes for or places for. So I think in his mind, he was doing the right thing and giving me good life advice. But if I had advised myself during that time, I would have said, you know what, just go for it. If it doesn't work out, go back to school and learn something else, but just go for it and see what happens. Does that still affect how you move through the world? I think that it does because if anything, it, it more makes me think now that I know that I'm, I'm much older and I'm really not going to live forever to go for the things that I want to do. And don't think that you're going to get a lot of time later in your life to do the things you really want to do because you could die tomorrow. I'm not saying like I would tell my kid, oh, just play video games because one person out of a million is a YouTube sensation. But I would say while you're young, give it a try. And then when you start realizing that you need to make more money, if you want to modify and do something else, then do it. But at least you know you you really tried it. You really did it. It seems solid. I hope so. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> Give the kids a little time and see what happens. Right, right. <laughs> then we'll know. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like either you make more money and you put up with a job that you kind of don't like, or you make less money and you do something you love and realize that your lifestyle does not have to be extravagant. So kind of a matter of tastes in some way. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like saying, if you're willing to, if you, 
you're willing to just swim in this like Walmart kiddie pool, then why do you need to, why would you ever need to go buy the $40,000 in ground pool? You know, why do you need to go get a job to make all that extra money to buy something when you're satisfied with something less? Or when you're looking at that nice house, realize what that nice house is going to commit you to. And if you're okay with that, then fine. But if you're not okay, that house will at some point just be a house and you're still going to have to pay for it. And is that really what you want to spend your money on? Even if you make enough money for the house, do you want to spend all the money on the house? Exactly. Yeah, because what you're really spending is not your money. You're spending your time. You, whatever job you choose to do, you're you're paying in time, and they're paying you in money. So, was doing that job worth that time that you gave up, or is it only about the money? Right. I think some jobs, in addition to charging time, charge stress. Oh yeah, and stress. We and underestimate the years off your life, health the toll that takes. Yeah, big time. My old profession is kind of like that, where you're. Sometimes you're compensated very well, but nobody in sales, I mean, there's a few people that profess to really love, love sales, but for the most part, people are doing it for the money. And, you know, there's, it can be fun at times, but it is a trade-off of time and effort and stress and a lot of times health for money. And you have to decide whether it was worth it or not. How did you move from advertising to sales? Advertising to sales was kind of quick. I graduated from Kent State University with a degree in uh, advertising, but I just worked for a couple of manufacturing companies as like a little doing a little bit of advertising work and some inside sales. Then I got a higher paying job in sales at a software company and I tasted what it was like to make more money and do the whole sales thing. And it was sort of, you know, put me on a, on a track to do that for another 20 years in various industries. So it was sort of like, oh, hey, I'll try this. And then I just didn't stop (laughs) because I got into this environment where I'm working with people who, you know, a lot of people in sales are friendly, but also you saw like their wealth and the nice cars and the big house, you know, so it was sort of like a thing like, oh, well, I want that. Well, to get what that person has, you got to get the next best job, then the next best job, then the next one and the next, you know, so it fed on itself. And we're kind of primed to want that too. Yeah. It's the American nightmare. I mean, dream. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) So was there advice in there that you were given that you didn't follow? And you're like, oh, thank goodness I didn't do that. I'm lucky that I, I don't have a very good memory for advice that doesn't feel comfortable. But I will say, no offense to anybody who does this job, but it just in my personal experience, I got a lot of advice from recruiters that I'm glad I didn't follow. Now, maybe like blog articles from recruiters, but it was a lot of advice about, you got to do this in a job interview. Your resume has to say this. Don't ever ask this question. Don't, you know, job searching in itself was a horrible experience always, even though I did it many times, you know, and then just a lot of advice about basically how to kiss up to your boss. So a lot of that kind of advice on LinkedIn So that stuff I stay away from. You know what I also hate to, I hate to say this, but advice about here's the three things that Warren Buffett does every morning, or here's, (laughs) here's, here's six things that, um, what's his name? The guy from uh, Tesla, he does, you know, Elon Musk. yeah, yeah, Elon Musk. It's like, I'm never going to be that guy. And first, I don't even know if this is true. And secondly, how do I even know that that guy enjoys his own life? He might be unbelievably wealthy, but hate what he does and just not tell anybody. 
it's just a lot of irrelevant advice out there, I think. Well, and <laughs> does him doing those things in the morning lead to where he is or does being where he right. is lead to right. having time in the morning to do those things? Yeah, yes, yes. This just gets to one of my pet peeves of sort of this CEO worship kind of mindset. I used to go to a new company and they would have stories about the CEO, sort of like idolizing stories. Well, she gets up at four o'clock every day and she works until 10. Yet she has time to love her kids and she, she does yoga and she rescues stray dogs. And yeah, and it's like, oh, it's just an amazing, this person is just amazing. I don't know. I, I mean, you would have to be so intense and so driven to want to do that. That's just not, that's just not me. I'd rather have less <laughs> and go home. I don't care if someone's going to call me lazy, but I would have less things and just be able to breathe. Yes. So advice, I gave you a category. I didn't give you specific advice. I'm sorry. That's fine. That was a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> really, to speak to that last point, most people are not that driven. Right. About anything. Right. And that's okay. Right. Like find your passion and you'll want to do it for 22 hours a day. No. No, I'm passionate about writing. I love working out, running and riding bicycles and things. I love all that stuff, but I don't need to be the best at those things. I just enjoy doing them. You don't need to be a big fish in a little pond. Right. I guess that's the point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. That's amazing. How much do I owe you? <laughs> it's not actually therapy on air. It just sometimes yeah. feels like it. It's like, what's my copay? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to be famous for something, mm. what would it be? Well, I will say, or at least admit that I wanted to be famous for playing the drums for a long time. But now, if I had to be famous for something, it would be for writing something that's inspirational, that actually helps people. Not necessarily even something I made a lot of money off of, but something that a lot of people read and said, wow, that really helped me. That's it. I don't need to be famous but I would like to see my writing influence people. If I'm being honest, I would like to see my writing actually affect people. That would feel really good. Yeah. That feels familiar to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I imagine that's sort of what you're doing with the podcast. You're trying to get a point across. And, yes. You know, connect with people. Yes. And it feels good to get feedback. Uh huh. People, if you have someone who creates, and I'm not just talking about me or this podcast, anyone who creates mm -hmm. and you've, mm -hmm enjoyed or been touched by something that you saw or read or listened to, contact the person. Yeah. Tell them because we, we live on that stuff. Yeah, that's true. And it's funny because people are so intimidated to do that. I will say, okay, so I'm, I'm big into like self-help type psychology, philosophy kinds of podcasts and books and things. So obviously I'm a fan of Seth. I'm also a fan of Adam Grant. Me too. And I emailed him one time because I was writing this it's like about half done this book about sales I wrote. And I asked him about something. And wouldn't you know, he emailed me back and he attached research to it, like research studies that would answer my question. Wow. And I, I just I just thought that was so cool. I mean, maybe I shouldn't think it's that cool because maybe that's just being a nice person. But there's no doubt he gets a ton of emails. So he must have been sitting there at 1130 and said, oh, hey, blah, blah, blah. And sent something real quick. And I emailed him back. Thanks. And then he emailed me back again, like, no problem. <laughs> so like, even then it's like, I thought that was neat. It is cool. 
as you are moving through the world, what's one thing you wish people knew about you? People you run into at the grocery store could be people that you know, anywhere on that scale. I wish people knew that, I mean, I might come across as confident or witty or, or maybe just a smart ass. All three, I would say. <laughs> at times. But inside, I do not think that I am better than other people. And I really am empathetic towards people. Like I want to be a nice person, even nicer person than I am. So I don't know what it is, but I, I think at times because I'm outgoing, sometimes outgoing people get branded as being sort of full of themselves. And I am not that. If anything, I need to work on thinking more of myself than anything. So that's what I would want people to know. Well, people know it now. Right on. <laughs> That's awesome. Check. Done. That's done. <laughs> For whatever it's worth, I've never had the impression that you were full of yourself. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> Nor terribly self-deprecating either. Yeah. I mean, like, you've always seemed like a reasonably healthy balance to me. Oh, good. Good. I read books of people who are smarter, a lot smarter than me. So hopefully some of it rubs off. But thank you. You're welcome. It's a mm -hmm. lesson I'm trying to teach the boy. Oh, yeah? That if you're always the smartest person in the room, you're not going to learn anything. Right. Or if you're always the smartest person in the room, you might not know that much about the other people in the room. <laughs> yes. You know? <laughs> or you're just hanging out with the wrong crowd, which is bad, too. Which We should always put that lesson in there, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the tough part, though, and especially as an adult, especially learning things that aren't textbook based, but are experience based, that there's no way to learn something without feeling dumb. Like, and if you never allow yourself to feel dumb, you stagnate. It's like kids who are talented in anything, you know, sports is the same way. They're talented. They, they get out of sort of working hard for a long time sometimes. And then all of a sudden they hit a wall and kids are starting to get as good as them. And they realize, oh my gosh, I got to start working at this. And they don't know how. Yeah. That was definitely me. <laughs> so do you have a question that you'd like me to ask the next person? Now that's interesting. You know, one of my friends had me read one of their papers from college recently. And they interviewed a, an artist, actually somebody who teaches in the art department at their college. But the question they asked the art professor, and I, I think it it probably would be interesting to hear from anybody was pick a period of time that you'd like to live in. And why would you like to live in that time? Like what about it appeals to you? It seems like such a simple question that everybody has already asked this. I've never thought of asking that, but it's bound to produce some kind of interesting answer. I would think. I would think so too. All right. Awesome. So next month's guest gets that question, and that means that you get the question from last, last month's guest. Oh, nice. Have, I haven't gotten it yet? No. Oh, sweet. Okay. No, this one's a surprise. Her question was, what's the fastest way to find out what someone's makeup is? I would say, okay, there's a few different ways you could do it. One would be to have them not eat dinner, have them go to a restaurant, and have them wait for the, their table, but wait let's say 15, 20 minutes longer than they expected. And then talk to them and ask them questions. And you would see them under stress and you would see, well, how do they handle the stress? And 
how hard are they going to work to be a nice person, even though they're under stress? But then the other thing I would say too, is sometimes the success reveals something too. So like at one of my previous jobs, I was on a sales team and the sales team did a really good job. And the manager won some kind of an award. And this was at a meeting, the manager was presented with this award. And then the manager proceeded to not say anything about the team, his team. Wow. Not a single thing. People on the team kept thinking this person was a great person. But to me, it sort of revealed that this person was primarily focused on themselves. And it was kind of like the kind of friend who's, who's your, a great friend to you as long as you do what they say. You know, and we were doing what he needed us to do. And then all of a sudden, so that means the minute you're not doing what the person needs you to do, they're not your friend. Right. So there's that too. Those are phenomenal answers. Oh, thank you. Like the restaurant thing I would have never thought of at all, <laughs> but it's so true. Yeah. yeah. You see people at their worst. I guess the third one would be at a hockey game because the hockey game... <laughs> Like a kid's hockey game, kid's hockey game. My oldest played it and I loved watching him play it. And actually my middle one played it too, but it just brought up the worst in people and yours truly too. Like if you surveyed the people during that time, you would see, okay, <laughs> what is their worst? And if you could deal with that, then you knew that that was a good person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kids sports in general tends to. Oh yeah. I'm sure other sports are the same in a way, at least competitive, the ultra competitive ones. Yes. Which like, why is that even a thing? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, specifically, I want to say the worst in the parents, not the kids, sometimes the kids, but more so the parents. Yes. When the kids tend to either reflect the parents and you're like, oh, I see where that came from. Or they're mortified. Yeah. Well, and this is, I'm sure this is a common topic that comes up, but just the whole intensity of kids sports and how competitive we've made it and how we've drained the fun out of it. Okay. If the kid is driving it, then fine. If they want to take their sport to a greater and greater levels, then great. But if the parent is driving it, the kid is bound to get burnt out, whatever sport that is. Yes. Yeah. You get kids that played a sport from the time they were, you know, maybe nine or 10 all the way up to high school. And then boom, they don't want to play it in college. They don't even want to look at it anymore. Yep, they're done. Yeah. And meanwhile, the parents were dreaming or had dreams of scholarships dancing through their heads, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was never to be. <laughs> There's something to be said for, I mean, cross training, if nothing else. Right. Like if you still need to be yeah. single sport focused, then call it cross training. Right. It should just be diversity of activity and meeting new kids and being healthy is what it should be, right? Yes, yes. In a perfect world. Something to strive for. Right. That'll be my podcast, In a Perfect World. No, I'm just kidding. That would yield some fun rants right there. And it would probably get people to disagree with each other because my perfect world is not your perfect world is not their perfect world. Well, but that, that makes me wonder with the whole sports thing, how many people want it to be like that and how many people like their kids are playing because that's the only place for their kids to play. I think it kind of started as parents, if you don't get involved in your kid's life, they're going to become addicted to drugs. So you need to do something about it. 
And so parents like, oh, shoot, let's get them in every activity under the sun. Then it got more competitive. I mean, it just, I, I saw some of the funniest stuff, like parents who would talk to you and complain about how competitive that sport is, but then you'd find out later that they're arranging for practices late at night for their kid and maybe one or two other kids to get special instruction. And it's one of those things where the innocent people are the worst perpetrators because they're thinking, well, uh, you know, for a junior to compete. He's got to have this, this coach and this coach and this coach. That's just the way it has to be or else how's he going to compete? And so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, it keeps going back to the fish. Yeah. In the pond. Yeah. Yes. I think that has a lot to do with just everything has to be more. Everything has to be better. Bigger, faster, stronger. Right. And you could have in sales, you could have got hundred percent of your quota last quarter. Well, that's your minimum now. That's almost the attitude. Uh, and I'm sorry, I could, I could go on and on, but then there's investors. Like how many people invest in a company and expect not to make money? But would you invest in a company if you knew that making money involved treating workers poorly or making a deficient product or selling something that could potentially harm someone? I think that's the level we need to get to now is, is to be conscious about you know, the whole chain of things. Humanity. Right. Yes. Easy for me to say, I guess. But tagging back into the sport thing, if you have a kid who's 15 and has never played a sport and wants to try one, where do you go? Oh, yeah. Forget it. I was thinking that, too, because my youngest is going to be 12. And somebody said, oh, you should play soccer. And the funniest thing is he could still go play soccer, but there's plenty of leagues now that he would never like there's a level of soccer that he's already way too old for it which is ridiculous. But I will say for the high school that our oldest son went to, they had plenty of kids on the team who had never played hockey before. Nice. So there were seniors, boys and girls you know, that just decided, you know, I'm going to try this. And they did. And were they the greatest athletes on the team? No, but they did get to play. And you know, so that's something, right? It is. You're a teacher, right? You're expected to teach people. But for some reason, sometimes in high school sports, I don't think we're necessarily expected to teach. They're not expected to teach the kids how to play the sport anymore. You know, they're like, oh, that's skills development that you do on your own. We're going to learn plays and we're going to, you know, which kind of defeats the, the purpose, I think. Well, even at the level that I taught, which was beginning. So I had first year players and second year players. Oh, what sport did you teach? I'm sorry. No, I taught band. Oh, yeah, that's right. Similar. It's a skill. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of colleagues who would not let kids start in sixth grade. Wow. That's sad. It's harder to teach your class when you have experienced kids with new kids, but you need to suck that up. It's true. And my kids saw it too. You know, like it's got to be true with band as it is with sports. But and I coached running cross country for kids for a while. And there'd be kids, some kids would be young, and they'd be the fastest kid on the team. But over a period of years, there would be newer kids that would join the team that never ran before, that would almost run as fast as them, and then eventually overtake them. And so the pace at which people develop, I think is all different. And we just want to compare everything so much all the time, that we don't realize that's also how we take the fun out of things. Yes. All this comparison, constant comparison. And an assumption that if you don't get it sooner, you're not going to get it or you're not going to be as good at it. Right. Which is just not the case. Well, yeah. And with music, you are teaching music, but in band, they are playing a style of music. So that is a version of music and it's a very important one. 
But in reality, that doesn't mean that they could never, you know, when they're an adult, go to the corner pub and play the flute or play in a band or whatever on the weekends and be very good at it or at least enjoy it a lot. Agreed. It has been a lot of fun talking to you today, Chris. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Likewise, Heat. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Our editor is Heat G Check, co-editor Rocket Kid, produced by Heat G Check. To learn more about me, Heat, or more about this podcast, go to OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com. Sound design and recording by Keith Kelly. You can learn more about Keith and his work at www.KeithBKelly.com. Cobra Storm by Rocket Kid and Catgirl. Ordinary Chaos is an ad-free podcast. Because ads are annoying. To support the podcast, go to OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs> <laughs>